All right. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Let's go ahead and grab our Bibles. Turn to Exodus 15. We are going to pick back up where we left off with Moses and Aaron and the children of Israel. They have exited Egypt and have made their way now across the Red Sea by the supernatural gift of God or the hand of God lifting up the waters and allowing it to crash down on the Egyptians. This is a happy moment for the Israelites. I mean, at least first, right? I mean, they're free, free from my tyrannical government that imposed slavery upon them for over 400 years. They now can do what they want to do. This is an absolutely a blessing, though it's hard to see at the beginning for them. It's hard to see because they're blinded to any other thing. They've they've never known freedom. Right? They've never known taking care of themselves. Egypt made them slaves, yes, but Egypt also understood that they had to take care of their slaves so that they would work for them and not revolt. So, you know, under... Egypt rule, the Israelites never worried about where they were going to sleep uh, or what they were going to eat or drink or even if the ch- if their children were protected, right? Because Egypt provided all of that. Um, so you got to take all of this into consideration when going to the scriptures. This is the, the you know, this is the humanity of it all, right? It isn't perfect. It's it's actually really messy and broken. Uh, it's far from perfect, and yet we see a holy and, and righteous God intertwined in the middle of it, working to free a really messed up group of individuals. And now that they're free, what does you know coming out of slavery look like? Uh, you know, mentally, what does it look like uh, physically? And this is where uh, this is the journey, basically, of of the wilderness, and so. And it, and it really starts with a with a song, right? In chapter 15, it starts right off with Moses and all of Israel. They are singing a song to the Lord. And there are a lot of things on the table that need to be done, like, like you know, finding shelter or, or food or water, you know. But Moses takes the time <laughs> to write down lyrics. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have gone that way. Maybe that reveals... More about me, um, because looking at this through spiritual eyes, I can see how appropriate it is to just stop and just praise God for what he's what he's done. Right. There, there's got to be times where we just stop everything we are doing and we make time just to thank the Lord and be thankful. You know, it's it's it is OK to celebrate God. Right. It's OK to take time out. And just thank him. Are there pressing needs that lay ahead? Sure, absolutely. But we just experienced miracle after miracle from the Lord. Surely as he delivered us from yesterday, he will deliver us from tomorrow. Amen. Right, right. As it as it turns out, this won't be a new concept. It's just going to be the beginning of many other songs about the Lord found in the Bible. There's at least 185 other songs found in the Bible. Matter of fact, 80% of them are found in the book of Psalms. However, Psalms isn't the only psalm book in the Bible. Song of Solomon is an epic love song between a a bride and groom, and, and Lamentations is a set of five individual songs mourning the fall of Jerusalem. However, 
when the song is over, life has to go on. We, we must turn and face tomorrow and all the hardship it will bring. And this is where we must uh, turn, you know, treasure these things in our hearts so that when hard times come, and they will, that we'll have a song in our heart to help us through to remind us how big our God is. Let's just stop here before we get into the word and just pray real quick and ask the Lord to uh, open our eyes spiritually. Father, we, we come before you, God, uh, and humble ourselves. We, we know nothing unless you reveal it to us, God. We pray this morning that you would uh, make the scriptures known and, and bring revelation to our eyes so that our heart may know it and that wisdom may grow from it, God, and not the wisdom of men, but, the, but your wisdom, Lord, the wisdom that confounds men, God. And Lord, may it be used in such a way like water or like some nutrients, God, that would grow us up and mature us, God, for the greater good of your kingdom, God. And we give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. And the whole church says, Amen. Amen. We're in Exodus chapter 15, uh, verse 22. It reads, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore it was named Marah, and the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Okay, here we are at the first sign of difficulty, and it's kind of a big deal. They'd been traveling three days without water. Now, if you research this, just about anywhere you look, all the experts are going to say that you can survive three to four days without water, and even at the most extreme, it's possible to go as many as five or six, but that's that's pretty, pretty critical. You can survive without food for a while, but water is pretty important to the human body. It's obvious to see cause for concern, and it's also easy to understand the grumbling, right? It's not a matter of just getting a little bit of water either. There is a million of people there. I mean, there's a lot of people. You have to have a lot of water, right? The other frustrating point to be made is that when they finally find water, it's undrinkable. It's bitter. And before we judge the Israelites for their quickness to complain, not even know Moses knew he could just throw a stick in there and it would make it better. No, the Lord had to show them that. So there was no plan for water until the Lord created one. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I've never heard of such a thing. Have you? Who ever heard in all the technology today about sticks that change the water from undrinkable to drinkable? Turns out there is some truth uh, to this that we're only discovering now. I, I saw an article in Time magazine. Uh, it was reported on about six years ago. It covered this, and it was released by an MIT scientist who was conducting research on water filtration the their research kind of found that water strained through a sapwood of a pine branch filtered out 99.9 percent .9 of all harmful bacteria now they're still studying the process but they're finding out that we you know we still have a lot to learn when it comes to the earth and how things work right so it's it's good that they got water but that isn't why we are really given this glimpse in their history no I believe we're given this insight to see and really witness how they handled their first 
difficulty. They handled it by complaining rather than trusting. Where did that song go now, right? By the way, before we judge them, where does years go when, when hard times come? Look at verse 26. If you diligently listen to the voice of your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statues, I will put none of the diseases on you that I've put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. So God uses this as a teaching point and steps to give them a, a promise, a covenant, really. And he breaks down very simply all of it into three things. And this is it, really easy. Listen to me, do what is right in God's eyes, and obey my commandments and statutes. I mean, he makes it pretty simple. If they follow these three things, it's going to go well for them. And now they know, right, all is going to be good. They know it. God has made his point. They've witnessed the signs and wonders. And everything is going to work out right, right? Not even, not even close. Exodus 16, turn the page there, verse 2 and 3. And the whole congregation of people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord of the land in Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. <coughs> Excuse me. Do you see the theme here? They went from singing about the miracles of God to complaining about the water. God delivered the water and told them to trust him. And now just a little while later, they are right back doing the same thing. I mean, it really does sound just like just about every human being I know, right? We're so quick to forget the greatness of God and his promises towards us. He just gave them a three-step plan. Can't they just do these three steps, right? Moses does his best to remind them of what they're doing like verse 16 or chapter 16 7 and 8 there in the morning you shall see the glory of the lord because he has heard your grumbling against the lord and for what are we that you grumble against us and moses said when the lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full uh, because the lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him what are we your grumbling is not against us but against the lord hmm what a great reminder for Moses. You aren't complaining against or about Moses and Aaron. You're complaining against the Lord. You're not trusting the Lord. You're not believing the Lord. How would you feel if you keep telling someone something and no matter how many times you have been honest to your word, they still don't believe you? God has every right to be frustrated. He has every right to withhold or turn this into a teaching lesson. But what does he do? He exercises grace and patience here through another miracle look at look at verse 11 there in chapter 16 and the lord said to moses i've heard the grumbling of the people of israel say to them at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread then you shall know that i am the lord your god in the evening quail came up and covered the camp and in the morning dew lay around the camp and when the dew had gone up there was a on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing fine as frost on the ground when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer... Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat, and Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it 
over till the morning, but they didn't listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it, and it, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with it. Morning by morning, they gathered each as much as they could eat, but when the sun grew hot, it, it melted. So what does the Lord give them? I mean, is it me, or did he just give them chicken sandwiches, right? Okay, so it's not exactly chicken, but it's it's pretty much what quail tastes like. And, you know, it makes me wonder if Chick-fil-A got the idea from God. I mean, I'm just curious, right? God isn't rewarding their stubbornness for their complaining. He is going to deal with that, but he is also very aware of their inability to grasp the free life. I mean, don't get me wrong. They can't keep acting the way they are acting and God is going to deal with it. But for right now, he's just exercising patience for their benefit, right? After all, it is another song in the Bible that records, you know, how patient God is. Psalm 145, 8, 9, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he's made. Let's begin to close. And, and maybe here's a few thoughts I want to give you this morning. Just let's, three three thoughts here. What what song is in your heart? You know, we sing on Sunday mornings, but there needs to be a song in your heart that helps you and, and really reminds you to trust in the Lord at all times. It also has to be rooted in the Word of God. There's a lot of songs out there today that aren't. They are feel-good songs about how the Lord makes us feel, but if you speak like songs of the Bible, I'd start here. You know, Psalm 145 even is a great example. The Lord upholds all those who are falling in and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. That's a great outline for you if you are looking for a song. Uh, the second thing, let's let's really try to complain less and praise God more. I think that's sound advice. At some point, you are expected to believe the very words you, you read in your Bible as well as the things you've experienced in your life. When God says that all things will work together for your good, he, he means it. It's 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 it isn't a mantra. It's a fact. How how well you actually believe it will determine your attitude. And just so you know, a complaining attitude is one that lacks faith that God is doing what He said He will do. Let me let me repeat that. <laughs> All right. Uh, how well you actually believe that will determine your attitude. A complaining attitude is one that lacks faith that God is doing what He said He will do. We must. But we really we have to watch our tongues here. The uh, the Apostle James makes uh, 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 makes note of how powerful our mouth is. Uh, he says this: with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of our Father. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring forth uh, pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? We have to watch what we say. We have to watch what we're we're speaking out loud and. And our attitude and things. We have to watch these things. Lastly, it's this. Trust in God. And you may just end up with chicken sandwiches. <laughs> Who knows what God's capable of? We only know of what he has already done. Right? 
We know that he loves us and cares for us immensely to the point of sending his son to die on a cross for us. We're kind of a big deal to him. He loves you so much. And like any parent, he's going to make sure and do what is best for his kids. After all, the Bible is not their story. It's his story and his reputation on display to all of us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the message this morning. We thank you that it's your word that's enlightening to us, Lord, that that is growing us, that is nurturing us, God. We thank you that you care so deeply for us, God. Father, we ask that you use the word this morning as a seed, plant it, water it, grow it, God. It's all yours, and may you receive all the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everyone says amen and amen.